0: Welcome, fans of the Justice League universe. My name is Sam.
1: My name is Alessandro.
0: And we are two members of the JLU podcast team who enjoy analyzing the DC films from Warner Brothers Studios. Other contributors to this analysis are Rebecca Johnson, Sidney, and Nick Begovich.
1: You can find us all on Twitter, and you can follow the show at JLU Podcast.
0: In this episode, we are going to discuss scene 7 of Justice League, which is the scene where Barry Allen talks to his father in Iron Heights Penitentiary. So, Alessandro, first of all, Let's just kind of talk about how the scene fits into the movie and uh, what it kind of overall contributes to the flow or the story of the movie. So, I mean, obviously the big thing here is it's our introduction to Barry Allen. We had some allusions to him um, from Bruce and Alfred talking in the last scene. So that kind of cues him up. And then here he comes, our first time seeing him, the first scene with him in the movie.
1: And it's, I guess, also our first time seeing him use his powers in this movie although it's a very very different look than the rest of the movie there's that missing glow of the electricity my my take on that is that um maybe we're we're intended to be seeing it from everyone else's perspective and maybe only Barry sees that electricity
0: yeah i've wondered that too like he's the one that goes kind of inside the speed force and stuff and all that's happening but to people outside it might be Kind of like the camera footage was in BVS, where to people outside, it's just like something happened, but I, I didn't even really see what happened. Exactly. Yeah, which uh, that could be kind of interesting.
1: Right. You bring up a good point in that in that surveillance footage, you don't see any electricity.
0: Yeah, there's like a crackle, but it seems like it's just because the footage or the, you know, the footage was affected. It wasn't that we saw the actual streaks of lightning in the room. It's sort of just like there was an electric electric interruption or something like that. Right, right. Yeah. Um but yeah, so it is the first time we see his powers, although it's, you know, really quick, um, just a tease of his powers kind of. But, you know, it sets up the character of Barry Allen and it lets us know that he's gonna have some of the comedic contributions to the movie, but it also lets us know that he has this kind of emotional heart. He's very loyal to his father. Um, he he has some range in this scene, going from a little bit of a little bit of comedy to quickly like a very deep, heartfelt kind of thing with his dad. So it lets us know that his character is going to have some range, but he is going to be one of the kind of, you know, comic relief elements of the film. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I like it too, because here it's going to, uh, we'll talk more about it, but it gives us some hints of his backstory. But because this is the team up movie, it doesn't give us the full story about where Barry Allen's coming from. It really just alludes to it. And, you know, in the future flash film, it would dive into that more. So I think that's appropriate for, you know, the real story being the team, um, And here, though, this scene is going to give us a little bit of a. It raise some questions. If people don't know the story of Barry Allen, they might be kind of intrigued about his father being in prison, but his father seeming like a good guy. You know, he doesn't act like a stereotypical kind of prisoner. So it might just lead the audience to wonder, like, "Wow, how did they get in this situation?" It's a father-son dynamic that's kind of in- interesting that I might want to see more of.
1: And I think it's important to note that you know, there's a lot of people that think that maybe. You know, Flash should have had his own solo movie before this sort of team up. But really, I mean, when we meet people in our lives, we don't know their backstory before we meet them. Right. So this is a good way of showing, you know, this person, Barry Allen, has a life of his own and this is what he's doing while, you know, Bruce is sort of ser- searching him out. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Like, uh, when you actually meet people, you might kind of meet them at first and say like, oh, they're kind of funny and quirky. I like their personality. Then you might realize, oh, his father's in prison. He has, you know, some of these emotional things going on, you know, deeper. And then later you might realize like, oh, I'm going to become friends with this person and find out where they came from, what's, you know, in their history and that kind of thing. So you're right. It does kind of follow the way that we really get to know people in life.
1: Yeah, and I mean Z- Zach's characters have a lot of layers, so there's always going to be more to learn about them. You know, it's not just like you're going to have one movie and then you know everything about them, and then then they could team up. So yeah, it's like we're slowly getting to learn more about these characters, and here's our first look, a deeper look at you know Barry's character.
0: Yeah, and for me as a movie watcher, there's quite a few movies that. The characters, they just have a personality. They don't really have the layers of characterization and history and emotional complexity. They just have a some sort of personality, like, oh, the smart aleck, oh, the sarcastic guy, oh, the funny one, oh, the dumb one. But for me, I really like movies where it's like the characters don't just have a personality. They also have history and feelings and desires and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I agree, in, in Zack's movies really tries to put a lot more complexity into the characters rather than just a personality. Although the mainstream audience really does kind of eat up a personality. Like a movie can be a big hit just because of a personality on the surface.
1: Oh, definitely. And the actor's role in that makes a big difference.
0: Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to say about the like overarching contribution of this scene is that it continues the structure that's very clear in this movie which is that we are introduced to all the Justice League members individually. We had a Superman scene, a Batman scene, then a Wonder Woman scene, then an Aquaman scene, uh, and a Flash scene. So they're kind of laying all the pieces out there. And then later, they're going to start pairing up more. Like We had Bruce and Arthur met each other, but they haven't really formed a bond yet. The next phase of the structure, certain pairs are going to kind of form bonds or make connections with each other. And then the last phase will be like the whole team coming together as a cohesive unit. So this one is another link in that chain of, all right, we're going to slide Barry Allen here as the next character in the mix.
1: And I guess in a way, um, we also sort of see them pairing off in compatible ways. Here we see Barry struggling with a parent with you know his father mm-hmm. and we know Bruce's his relationship with his father was significant to him as he mentioned in BVS you know mm-hmm. and then later we'll see Cyborg feeling out of place in Man's world like just like Diana mm-hmm. so in a way we're sort of seeing glimpses of them and how they would identify with their eventual pairing uh, you know partner yep and then finally the team comes together
0: yep yep exactly um so let's go through the scene a little bit in detail so uh it starts out with cutting right to the filing cabinet and some of the guards here at uh, iron heights um and the director here uses a similar kind of blocking move as the last scene where there's this character kind of center screen and then the character moves from left to right and as they move from left to right we see like a main character in the background so last scene it was alfred moving across in the airplane and then bruce is in the background and then this time it's the guard moving across and then Barry appears in the background. Um, so it's a pretty effective way to use a lot of the space of the, the room here and, you know, in the frame and then to focus our attention back towards the character that's going to become important. And here they also emphasize Barry by having him in this red. Uh, the rest of the room is kind of like blues and tans and grays and Barry is really his red pops out. So it draws our eye right to him.
1: Yeah, and people online have mentioned that they think his uh his jacket is sort of a uh, homage to uh the original uh Superman movie with Christopher Reeve because Clark wears a similar colored uh sweater in that movie. But also we we get Barry um when Barry's first appears on the screen, and we get a full frontal shot, which honestly I think is a little not Typical Zack Snyder, but it helps us to see the, the the character right off the bat and sort of get our attention to to what he looks like.
0: Yeah, it's a, I mean overall this portion where he's kind of checking in, it's um it's filmed in a pretty like straightforward way. Like I mentioned, the blocking at the start, but that's still pretty simple, right? And then here it's kind of just basic coverage of the characters. The only angle that's a little bit of a kind of unique angle is when Barry is about to do his super speed. Uh, They get kind of a good angle for his facial reaction as he turns away and stuff. But mostly this is kind of just covered very standard sorts of shots. I do, they show some reflective glass here. um, But really, I think the more effective use of the reflection is in the part when he's with his father. So we'll talk about that more when we get there. Um, But right now, Barry's signing in um, to visit somebody here in Iron Heights, and we actually already know it's his dad, because Alfred mentioned that his dad is in prison for uh, supposedly killing his mother. Um, So we have that information going into this.
1: And he does say Henry Allen, so we could sort of connect the the surname.
0: yeah. Yeah, so that all makes sense. Um, and he starts to fill out the form and this guy behind him has absolutely no patience because it's literally, Yeah. <laughs> Barry's only been at the front of the line for about four seconds and he's already saying, hurry up. So that's pretty extreme, but maybe this guy's had a really bad day and he's just, uh, you know, a little irritable.
1: And it's kind of interesting because actually I, th- I thought that maybe there was a, uh, the line disappeared, but now it's actually pretty consistent. Oh, um, that was
0: behind the guy? Like that there are other people waiting? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there are several people waiting behind. I noticed that.
1: So Barry turns around and, uh, you know, rather than getting upset, he decides to... And I found I found it to be a big coincidence that he just happened to have a marker instead of like a ballpoint pen for this scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that kind of bothered me.
0: Yeah, maybe they have the like soft tip because it's safer in a prison setting or something. Oh, no, I I hadn't thought of that. I'm just uh, making. I I mean, my my main thing with this is I was just really surprised that Barry would take the risk of using his powers, not only in front of other people, but in a situation where there's lots of surveillance and like lots of people paying attention to what's going on because you're right next to this you know, like the lockdown area. Right. So uh, it's pretty, like, bold of Barry to do that um, in a place where he could very easily get noticed by authorities who might do something about it. But I think this is almost kind of, like, telling us about the tone of the movie. However this scene came to be, it's in the movie, and so it's kind of letting us know, hey, people might be a little bit looser with their powers, and you're just supposed to enjoy it and laugh at the gag. Mm. You know, so... It's kind of like it's early enough in the movie that rather than criticizing this, we should take it as a signal about how to watch this movie. You're supposed to actually open yourself up to just some more fun and humor rather than seriously thinking about like what a person should do with their powers.
1: Okay, (laughs) Uh, definitely a major departure in tone from BVS. And I don't necessarily mean, you know, going from dark to lighter tone but just as a matter of it's not just lighter it's it's also more like let's not worry about everything like you you mentioned Yeah.
0: yeah yeah it's definitely a shift right i mean like okay here's this guy he's got a mustache and glasses and stitches like drawn onto his face so this is clearly like a gag for a movie because this knows that it's a movie and we're an audience that's supposed to be like laughing at it where in man of steel or bvs the humor would usually come more naturally in a situation where it was almost like, yeah, that's a real sort of humor that would happen. This one, to me, just feels like this is the kind of humor that a comedy writer writes as a gag for, for a TV or you know, movie presentation. Right,
1: and I, and I mean, the situation seems like it was created just for the gag.
0: Exactly, yeah. Right. Yeah, so it is definitely for, a shift. As
1: opposed to... As opposed to some of the other, you know, some other humor, for example, when Alfred makes, you know, remarks, snide remarks to Bruce and BVS, you know, this it's a a joke, considering the history of the character and the situation, rather than you know creating a small situation, short situation that would allow for that joke.
0: Yeah. Now you could say that. This is a new character being introduced. And so with a new character could come a new sort of tone or, you know, if you did this kind of gag with a character from BVS, that would be even more jarring than if you do it with a new character because you have a little bit of freedom to sort of set the tone for a new character being introduced. But later in the movie, there's even humor that is a shift And it does use characters from the previous movies. So um, definitely just a shift overall. And this is like a clear moment where it's like, oh, as an audience, we need to realize that we have to approach this movie differently than we maybe always do with Man of Steel or BVS are the main ones that I think of.
1: And uh, Sydney, actually, she commented that 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 gag sort of reminded her of the scene in The Incredibles where Mm -hmm. Dash puts a tack on his teacher's chair.
0: Right. And he was even Which, faster than the know. camera. So like and flash here could be right. faster than the camera too. But yeah. Right. Yeah, both funny and um I haven't seen the uh, incredible sequel yet, but I'm excited for that one. But um <laughs> Yeah, it looks good. Another kind of thing you noticed was <laughs> this guy has a mustache artificially added to his face. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another character who had a mustache artificially removed from his face. So Right. <laughs> That was
1: uh, ironic. Yeah, I don't think that's the right <laughs> use of the word ironic, but you you get what I mean.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the thing for me that, so this is the kind of thing that I kind of like even better than the gag overall, is I, I like um, Ezra Miller's face when he turns away. I thought he acted it really well. Like he has this kind of smirk and he's like, I better turn away before I, I crack. <laughs> right. But then I like how they have a close-up of, of Barry Allen on the form and then he signs B.A., and obviously that's his initials, but I kind of got to chuckle about that at the theaters because he did what you might call like a badass move and then he's signing like B A. I'm like, "Okay, that's is kind of funny if you think of it that way." <laughs> um so then the the gentleman uh pops this over and he seems to know Barry because he says like, "You know what to do." So Barry's obviously visited here before. And now this is the uh this must be the contact that Alfred has at Iron Heights to keep tabs on Barry Allen.
1: Now this uh, actor I'm fairly confident is Mark McClure, who played Jimmy Olsen in the original Christopher Reeve Superman movie. Mm-hmm. There are some people who say, who aren't quite convinced, but um, personally, uh, you know, there's not necessarily any credit, because I think, I believe that this was a, a reshoot, uh, because originally in the trailers... I believe we see him as a, an officer in the Heroes Park. Right, yeah, police um, officer, yeah. Now, that that uh, character may have been a different person altogether and just look similar. Mm-hmm. But, ultimately, I, I'm pr- fairly confident that this is him uh, and that this scene is actually a, a new scene that was reshot.
0: Yeah, so maybe they used him here because his officer part got cut that out, other, maybe. Right. Yeah, that could make sense. Um, I also think, you know, we don't get um, too caught up in the reshoots or not, but like when, it, when we can tell from a trailer, we're willing to kind of talk about what might be a reshoot. I also suspect this is a reshoot, um, not just because of the humor, but because we are going into a scene that's pretty emotional. Like it's pretty raw between a father and son. They kind of get right into the heart of their relationship and what they're dealing with. And my guess is in the original kind of cut of this, they wouldn't have had such a straight-up um, comedic gag right before the, the kind of touching father-son moment. Um, kind of oh, right. that makes sense. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a whiplash from like, oh, that was a funny gag, to they're like almost crying and trying to touch each other's hand and stuff, you know. So.
1: Now I also felt like there was some inconsistency with the timing of this, where right. the guard signals, presumably to Batman you know, that Barry's there. But when Bruce actually gets a notification on his phone, he's, this, is it's much later in the film uh, where he's talking to Diana. So it seems like there might be a timing inconsistency consistency there. Hmm. And, and yeah, okay. Maybe, you know, he's doing it multiple times every time Barry's there. Mm-hmm. And this is just there to establish the, the of of communication. Mm-hmm. But it just, as the way it works in the film, it, for me it feels like a disconnect.
0: Right. Yeah, like it's it's possible to explain it away, but it's not tightly constructed because if it was really tightly constructed, there would not be any kind of discrepancy like that that you would even have to explain away.
1: Although I did think it was interesting that the the little red phone on the 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 smartphone, mm-hmm. uh, it looks a lot like the red phone in the Batman TV series. Yeah. So, it could be like an homage.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty fair um, to say, because it doesn't seem like, I mean, it seems like they could have chosen a lot of other things to have this, you know, logo for contacting Alfred. So to choose that red phone and to have it really light up like that, uh, I I can buy that, that that was a purposeful homage to uh, the Batman television show. Um, Yeah, and they they finish off the gag with another little uh, kind of after effect punch with the guy not knowing what's on his face and the... You know, the clerk mentioned it to him and they cut inside to more my favorite part of the scene, which is uh, really getting to see some acting between uh, Billy Crudup and Ezra Miller here where they don't get much of a ramp up. They kind of dive right into it. But that to me, the acting was so good that I buy it, even though it, they kind of just go right into the core of their relationship.
1: I think it's cool that they got uh, Billy Crudup to be Henry Allen, mm-hmm. who uh, he obviously played Dr. Manhattan and Watchmen. So Zach already had that relationship with, with him. So it's I think it's cool that uh, they brought him back for this role.
0: Yeah, and I think he did a good job with it too. And he also, to me, is believable as a father of Ezra Miller. Um, like they have enough resemblance in, sure. their, in their facial structure and kind of hair coloration and stuff that it's a pretty believable father-son kind of pairing as well. And their acting, like I said, I think their acting was good. Um, you know, even though they can't touch, I think they played off of each other really well. Um, so speaking of the emotion here, um, so
1: actually before we get into the emotion, I just want to point out that that all the the um, the prisoners are wearing Iron Heights garbs, so it's a, an indication to us that it is Iron Heights. Although Barry is known to be from Central City, I'm not I'm not exactly sure where Iron Heights is supposed to be in the DC universe.
0: I know in some stories it's in Keystone City in the comic books and then in the like uh, Arrowverse, you know, on the CW, it's like between Starling City or Star City and Central City. Mm. Here, I don't think they actually say where this is, but because they don't say to me, they kind of like lead the audience to believe it's in Central City or like right outside of Central City because Barry like, you know, visits it regularly. And then we see him like walking back to his place where he's staying. So. Until they provide more information, in my mind, it's sort of in the vicinity of Central City, just so that I can attach it directly to the Barry Allen character.
1: I'm assuming uh, it says Central Penitentiary. Central it says Central on his on his uh, his breast pocket, but I can't make out exactly what the the rest is. But it does say Central. It could be Central Holding, <laughs> but <laughs> there is that connection to Central City. <laughs> Actually, I think it says Central Penitentiary, and then. Iron Heights in the middle. Hmm. Okay. Uh, In any case.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we talked about it at the beginning, but um, to me, because the actors can really tap into some real emotion here, that's why it works for me without a solo film before this. It's like they're tapping into history together and an emotional relationship that's complex. Both of them are trying to put the other person first, um, which is really kind of a touching sort of father-son thing. And to me, all of that comes from this scene, and I don't need a whole movie before this to get it. Sure.
1: And it's interesting uh, that they do mention uh, Barry going for a criminal justice degree, um, because he does, uh, in the comics, work in uh, forensics.
0: Yeah. And here, even really quickly, if you like are paying attention, you can tell that the reason he wants to go into criminal justice is to try to like reinvestigate his father's conviction. Right. Um, so it all kind of fits together into the character. Yeah. But the father is telling him, like, I don't want you to <laughs> I don't want you to make your life decisions based on me. I want you to make your life decisions for yourself. So that's kind of a good fatherly thing. But it's also a lot to ask. And and uh, Barry doesn't want to hear. He doesn't want to he doesn't want his father to say, go without me. He's like, no, I'm still connected to you. You know, I still love you. Um, I'm staying right here with you. Uh, this glass is not going to keep us apart. So for me, it's just a lot of really good dynamics. It's, it's well written. And I like the, uh, visual motif here of the reflection because they use the glass to not only separate these characters, which makes it almost more painful to see them separated. But then you see the reflection of Um, like Henry on Barry and then Barry the other way. And so they're kind of reflected in each other. Uh, And I thought that's a nice visual way to touch on the dynamics that are going on. And in the cyborg scene later, they also use the reflections with cyborg in the window and on the uh, picture frames where they have the family pictures and then using reflections on that. So it's kind of a nice little visual motif here of of having them reflected in each other, father and son.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Great cinematography effect there. I think uh the connection that they're making here also touches to the uh the bigger uh motif of uh connecting with people um because obviously this is a team coming together and they're they're trying to connect to each other and we get the the visual of you know their hands together and and obviously that emotional connection between the father and, and the son
0: mm-hmm. now we were talking about um kind of original scripting versus reshoots and stuff. I'm very confident uh, that this is from the original script because to me, the dialogue here just sounds like Terrio because of all of the wordplay and the little nods to Flash kind of um, and Speed Force um, kinds of ideas. Like Henry Allen says, you know, you're going in circles. He asks him, how do you, you know, you do all these jobs to try to save money for your degree and then Barry says I make the time which kind of alludes to this you know like relationship between speed and time and as you move faster time slows down and stuff um Henry saying I'm a drag on your life um and then running in place in central city
1: Yeah and the and there's then there's a line you're living in the past make your own future and yeah, that yeah, actually yeah. touches on the the bigger storyline that presumably we were originally going to get
0: Yeah I mean, we, you know, with BVS, we we know that this character can time travel and in the future he will time travel. And so to say making your own future um, is also a kind of a terio level nod. And also it makes me think about like the idea of Flashpoint where if Barry Allen does not want to accept what happened between his father and mother uh, in terms of the murder of his mother, then he might want to make his own future by actually trying to change it. So yeah, there's like, you know, it's a short scene, and Terryo managed to put at least five clever little connections or wordplay things into the dialogue. Yeah. Kind of stuff's fun uh, to think about and look for. But it also gives us, you know, quite a bit of information. So, yeah, like, where they stand, how they're connected to each other, like we've already been talking about, um, what Barry's doing. Like, Alfred in the last scene said he moves around, he's kind of on the go, um, he's squatting in different locations, uh, and then now we hear, like, oh, he's kind of cobbling together different jobs, and trying to do some stuff, but um, it's not really, at least from his father's perspective, Barry is not really making the most of his life yet because he's really caught up in the injustice that has happened to his dad.
1: You know, and initially, uh, when uh, when Henry mentions Barry having three or four jobs, where do you find the time? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we sort of, you know, think, oh, he's Flash, you know, he could do things super fast. But when you think about it, a lot of jobs, you know, require to be you to be on the job for a certain amount of time regardless if you're fast or not. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's working these jobs and he's doing it like legitimately. He's he he can't be taking shortcuts. Sure, maybe one of those jobs, you know, could be like a delivery, you know, guy and he does it really fast, but in general, I mean, he's he's going to be required to put in the time, not just like use his powers to sort of fly by it so he's legitimately putting the effort in and and I think that's something that maybe you know we we just sort of skip over but mm-hmm. I think that's a, an important uh, thing to consider
0: yeah I think that's a good point the other thing that that I kind of noticed uh, on rewatching it is where um, Henry you know not only says you know you can do what you want with your life and I want you to kind of leave me behind so that you can go forward but he also says you're brilliant and We don't see that a ton in this movie, but we know from the character of Barry Allen that he's not just fast. He also is a pretty smart, you know, in terms of science and investigations and connecting the dots and stuff. So here the father's kind of alluding to, you know, I don't just care if you're for my, cause you're my son, but you also actually are brilliant. You have this kind of mental capacity, which then we know can be in addition to his physical capacities. And, it also makes me think of Cyborg, you know, they're both the accidents, the new ones on the team. Cyborg also is not just an athlete and not just, you know, a cyborg with these technological capabilities, but he's also a genius level IQ, like very smart. So I like the characters where they don't just have physical abilities, but they have to have uh, mental powers as well, at least for the character. And in future movies, we might see that developed even more.
1: Yeah. And, you know, for people who who are familiar with the character already, Yes, Barry is uh, very smart, and this scene obviously factors that in, like you mentioned, calling him brilliant, but there are other parts in the movie where he sort of makes comments to sort of undercut that that brilliance mm-hmm. and I think those scenes um probably also reshot like one thing that that comes to mind, and I know we're we're not there yet, but mm-hmm. And it could just be a joke, obviously, but when he says, oh, I I thought it was like a bomb or something, uh, you know, maybe he's just trying to ease the tension, but it's not very characteristic of Barry to be so, like, flippant and um, not know what he's talking about when it comes to stuff like that.
0: Right. You know, I I like the Barry Allen Flash character, um, but I'm not hugely well read on the whole history of Barry Allen and all that stuff so I'd be curious about like some really big Barry Allen fans like if they felt like it was consistent or if there were parts that really deviated from the Barry Allen character but I think even within the movie you're right there's a little bit of inconsistency maybe it's because he's really new to the hero thing um, and so he has this brilliance but he hasn't found a way to integrate the brilliance into all these new Situations he's finding himself in,
1: yeah, and the fact that he was able to assemble his suit, yeah, yeah. Uh, from like NASA level parts, uh, you it's know, true. contributes to the fact that he's so brilliant.
0: All right, I think that will do it for our analysis of Scene Seven of Justice League. Next up, we're going to shift back over to Wonder Woman uh, as that film begins to pick up steam, heading towards the final showdown with Ludendorff and then Ares. Um, but as usual, we thank the Suicide Squadcast and Man of Steel Answers for blazing a DC podcast trail for us.
1: And on behalf of the JLU podcast team, thank you for listening. If you'd like more in-depth content related to DC films, then be sure to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash podcast.